Hey, Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, Dad. Josh, how are you? I'm doing amazing. How are you doing today, Papa? I'm doing fine, thanks to Calvary. We are going to be looking at some scripture today because of the time of year that it is in. Jesus, our Savior, is uh, on the cross. He is uh, just about to yield up his spirit. He's just about to give himself to thine. And these are the verses that will be our text for tonight out of the book of Matthew, uh, chapter number 27, and verse number 50, beginning in that verse. These are the words that are written. It says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and Mary, um, and the mother of Zebedee's children. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered, and when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. So uh, he just wants us to talk about this uh, particular part of the event. There's some other things that happened prior to that. But uh, he had cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, then it says in verse 50 that he had cried again with a loud voice. What does that what does it what does that say to you? What does that say that he cried with a loud voice at this particular time just before he yielded up his uh, spirit? The, it says here King James ghost and it is his uh, spirit. Yeah. What does what does it say to you? Yeah, I mean, that, uh, I, I, I don't know whether in Matthew it, it specifies the, the speech, the Elohi, uh, Elohi, Lim, the, 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 my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, or, or if that is the call that he's making in that point in time. But, um, you know, I, I think it, it speaks to the, that human side for one thing, but also I think it, 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 it speaks up to, you know, God is the God of life. God's God of, um, of of 
you know, he's the one who, who gave us life. It, I'm sure it's a hard thing for God to give up um, life in, in the way that he was. And not, not to mention the, you know, we, we as Christians don't, don't know for sure where Christ was at during those three days. Um, but, you know, a lot of people believe that he went and, or we know that he went and got the, the, the gates or the, the keys to the gates of hell and, um, uh, or, or conquered death in that, that period. But, but, um, you know, to, to be able to go from one area to the other, um, I'm sure was, was probably something that wasn't pleasant for, for, for Christ. And I think it probably speaks to that is what I get from that particular portion of it. Dad, what do you got? About him crying out loudly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it, my interpretation of that has always been he's just in utter anguish. So, you know, the, the, the physical anguish, the emotional anguish, the, as we discussed last week, the separation between he and the Father. I find it interesting. Let me pull up my copy real quick. Uh, so where he was crying out in anguish, you know, you're you're talking about uh, verse 46 where he, no. he cries out to uh, Eli, Eli, or later when he cries out again at the end. Yeah, yeah, Matthew 27:50. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's to me, it's not. It, it doesn't say in 50 what he said. No, no, right? no. But if if you if you go over to John, I think it, it gives us that. You think it was? It is finished. Yeah. You think that's was his cry? At, because I think over in John, it does say the same thing that uh, when he when he said that it is finished, then he gave up the ghost. Yeah, he, he uh, bowed his head and gave up the this gave up his spirit. There you go. There you go. According so you to John, think that was yeah. And, and Luke, it also Matthew says could be could actually him be saying it is finished. Yeah, yeah it, and in Luke, it it actually it. It goes through and, and uses the same verbiage. It says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So that's yeah. probably the same account. Okay. Dan, I'm afraid I cut you off, and I'm sorry that I did. I, I wanted to just, before I went to another thought, I wanted to, I just wanted to get your thought on, if you're thinking that John, where it says it is finished, that was maybe the cry here that he was making. And, and one of my th- I guess one question is with a loud voice. And he's it. Uh, it could have some influence with the centurion. Centurion being the commander of those other. Well, know. I think, I think there's probably a lot going on with the centurion. Sorry to cut you off again, dad, but um, you know, we, we, we we're talking about something that some guy up on a cross is saying with, with respect to what the centurion's seeing, right? If that's the only thing, right. Then, then it's just some guy up on the cross that that, for all the centurion knows, could be crazy. You know, I, I don't know how much the centurion had seen up that point, but if you take into account the three hours of darkness that that were, was going on during the time period, the, the 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 dead people that were starting to raise up from the graves, um, the holy dead people that that um they say were were um resurrected during that time period as well. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the, the earthquake that was happening, you know, with the combination of all these things, I I don't, I don't see how anybody in their right mind, you know, one or two of these things being isolated from each other, maybe, you know, that's weird. Right. But, but having all these things happen all together, I I don't see how you could 
how you could be somebody that that even has an ounce of 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 faith that that God does exist and and not say you know this this has to be God this there's there's no way that this 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 happens you know just just off the cuff. Okay, Dan. So uh, I was looking for my, my brain's bouncing around a little bit following uh, some of the things that Josh said, but uh, if I could get back to this, um, so it's fascinating. So if we can talk about this for just a second, there are, there are four accounts of this moment in the life of Christ. There's one in each gospel and each gospel, uh, Matthew and Mark both talk about, uh, a loud cry, or he uttered, I think Mark said, uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. So Mark doesn't say what he said at the loud cry. But then Luke says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then having said this, he breathed his last. And then finally John said that he says, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So, Here's the fun thing that I think a lot of people like asking. So you'll, you'll hear very educated and uh, brilliant people who are so smart they know everything, and they'll tell you that the Bible is filled with contradictions. And they could point to these examples as, uh, as an example of uh, this being contradictory because it's four different accounts of the same event, but yet they're, they're not all the same. So... The two that really seem juxtaposed is Luke and John. So, Dad, I'm going to give you an opportunity. How do you how do you contend with Luke and John having Jesus saying two different things before he dies? <clears throat> I uh, say again that what, what he did he said in John it is finished, right? And, uh, and he said, and I'll I'll show you I'll show you the verse verse thirty. Okay. In John then, John nine John nineteen verse thirty. And then Luke he said, Father, into thy hands I come in my spirit. And then he breathes his last in so, verse forty six. Those in, uh, in chapter twenty three. Okay, that's my, my understanding is that those two things that we've just read yeah. are part of the seven last sayings on the cross. Yes. Yeah, is that correct? So yes. uh, uh, I I think uh I don't think that there's Luke is a physician. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was a physician, and he might have used uh, he may have used terminology that would uh, describe those moments. It, it, it's my understanding in, in the study of it is that crucifixion, the dying of those who were crucified, the death of them resulted in would would result from suffocation. Because uh, they would hang there as long as they did. The Jesus, the thieves beside him were, am I right here? They were on the cross six hours. Yeah. From nine o'clock until three o'clock. Nine yeah. in the morning. In the sixth hour. And so, yeah, so they're, they're, on, they're on the cross. <clears throat> and it, isn't, it, isn't it longer than that? Because weren't well, they still alive? And then Caesar gave the command to have their legs broken so that they would die? Yes, so that, yes. They actually so they, they hung three. longer. So darkness, uh, Josh has already mentioned, from noon until three. 
Right. Okay. And so our time, we're thinking about it at 12 o'clock noon till three o'clock afternoon. But then it was at that time that Jesus said what he did, it is finished and father into thy hands. I come in my spirit. Uh, and so the loud voice is what I would, my attention is drawn to the loud voice simply because by that time, the other, the two thieves uh, and all other people who were crucified, they could, they could hardly speak above a whisper. And so the whole time, even though Jesus was being crucified, he did die and he was crucified, but he had control of his moment of death. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the crucifixion. He did, he was crucified. It wasn't that that which killed him though. Yeah. He laid down his life. Yeah. And so he had that whole thing in his control. And the loud voice, you know, he spoke with a loud voice when he said it is finished and also what Luke said about him. And I'm not sure that I'm answering your question at all, but I'm thinking about that that he with the loud voice, he still was in control of who he was. Okay. And uh, as far as the description, I don't think that there's any, you know, the, another part, you know, some people uh, call, uh, they say, uh, it can't be true because one point he refuses vinegar the other time he receives vinegar. And, you know, that's just a bitter, but it has to do with Passover. It has to do with Passover. It has to do with this understanding in the Jewish frame of mind. Because Passover in, in Exodus chapter 12, and then to be kept all the way through. And Jesus died on Passover. And part of the Passover Seder that they have observed from that time is uh, they, taste, they have to take bitter herbs. And part of the one time when he took some of that vinegar that was offered to him, some, some have said that maybe he took that vinegar to deaden that it was a, a sedative when they were driving the nails into his hands and into his feet. And others have said that part of the time that he would take it, he refused it one time because he would not drink it till it's the fruit of the vine until I drink it with you and you. And so it's a king, it's a kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of God. King, I think kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God are synonymous with each other has to do they were kingdom minded i think one reason the disciples didn't understand everything that was jesus was talking about and even today a lot of people we don't understand i don't understand everything so because sometimes i'm just not kingdom minded i'm not thinking about that which is yet to be but as far as the difference um there are many things throughout the scriptures that uh would look as if we read it to try to understand it in a human sense, uh, it just wouldn't make sense. But it's uh, written there, dig, uh, digging into it. I, I know, uh, you know, I use, I'm using King James. Uh, I think it's uh, ESV that I see you posting on uh, Facebook from English. It's English Standard Version. Yeah. And there are many, um, but uh, if it, New Testament written in Greek, Old Testament written in Hebrew, much some of the words that are in Aramaic. And uh, 
if I had a, I don't understand Greek. You know, I don't understand Hebrew. I don't, I can't have it in front of me and read it. But if I could have it in front of me and read it and understand it, some of the significance of what we're talking about would just jump out. There would, I'd walk from darkness to light and the understanding of some of it. And I've spent many of my years trying to understand. And uh, I'm still trying. I'm learning yet. Y'all are helping me. So what do you think? Um, so first, your, your loud cry. I've, I've not heard that. So that's, that's fascinating. Uh, I, I've always interpreted... Um, you know that that the things that he says right there at the end. You know, I with a loud voice, Father, I commend I uh, commend my spirit into your hands. Into into your hands, I commit my spirit. Uh, and then it is finished. Um, with these words, it is it is that last release of everything that he has, and and much much like you were saying, but. I, I just thought it was with the last ounce of energy that he had, those things come out of him. So, but yet, um, I, I like the, what you were saying though, it still shows that he was in absolute control. So although it appeared that he was being crucified by the Romans, he was being crucified at the request of the Jews. Uh, he was still in control. But so I, I like that. Yeah, but for our redemption, it was, uh, he, he, you know, earlier he had said, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was becoming sin. Yeah. He was perfect. He's never sinned at all. Hebrews says he was undefiled. He's harmless. There was no sin. Not any ever sin, but he was about to take my sins, our sins, the whole sins of the world upon himself. And, and so he was still, he, he was the Passover lamb. He was the lamb of God that was being slain before the foundation of the world. God knew that this was going to happen. I think it's in first Corinthians five, seven. It talks about that. He's Christ is our Passover. And so the loud cry is significant that he was still God. And he had a human side. He was becoming sin so that we could uh, be saved. This it's a redemption that is taking place right at that moment. And his resurrection would come later, and you know, just to really uh, validate what was going on. But he was And I think it had some influence on all those other things too, Josh. Absolutely, they had influence on the centurion because I saw while we was reading, we'd talk about it later too, but he wasn't the only one. I told Nola, because we're reading it, I love what we're doing. I told Nola, I said, Nola, wasn't just the centurion that saw all those things. It says there's others there with him. Yeah. It's just mentioned that, you know, he's given the credit for saying truly this was the Son of God, but it said they feared greatly, saying, God, truly, this was the Son of God. And so just the fact that here at this moment, and it was after his cry there at the last, 
that that uh, veil was rent in the temple. Did the centurion see that? Yes. I would well, think so. Does, if, does Matthew tell us he did? I believe he saw that. I mean, Matthew did at and, least. And, so. and, you, and, and Josh, you know how we, we, we were told that we're on the Mount of Olives and you're looking across the Kidron Valley to the temple. Okay. And this is, this is, it says in here, the temple. But he said, the, where, you know, where, where is the veil? Actually, it's in it's in part of the temple, but it is where it separates the holies from the holy of holies from the holiest of all. Yeah, and it was torn. And so, uh, uh, Josh, we were told there, and today, Phil, you could get a just visualize the Dome of the Rock that sits there now. We were told the Dome of the Rock is four stories high, and we were told that that veil was that that length. The temple itself sat even higher than that. Do, do you remember it being twenty stories that they told us? Well, I thought it was thought the height of the temple was ten, but I may be wrong. But anyway, the veil itself was four stories and really thick. That it would a team of oxen or more couldn't rip it into because of the way it was designed and and how tall it four stories and it was rent. And it says the that it was torn. From top to bottom. All of these things. Jesus has died. I mean, he's yielded up the ghost. And if this is chronological, which I think it is right here, then the the people that are on, you know, it's my opinion that he was crucified on the Mount of Olives. He had a special, something special about the Mount of Olives and Gethsemane and all that region right there. He ascended from the Mount of Olives. Zechariah says he's coming back to the Mount of Olives. And I, I just think that the, that may be where it was. Then you remember it being pointed out where his mother, Mary, was buried? Uh, no. We're standing on the Mount of Olives, and, and we're told, just look down. Just look down from the Mount of Olives off to your— We're standing almost directly across from the Dome of the Rock now. So is that a, was that at the Church of the Ascension? Um, that's, that's the church where you can go inside and look through the window and see the cross placed over the. the it was at the time we the were being told that we, we it was a, that was up behind us. Okay. But then he's saying, "Look to just look off into toward the uh, Gethsemane, and this uh, right to the right of that is Mary, his mother's tomb." And he the question was asked was, "Why do you think Mary was buried in that location?" And uh, so, and and then some of the other things pointed out to us, the centurion and others who were there with saw these things happen. And and somebody said, "Well, it's dark. It's dark all over the land." But we were told, "Yeah, but the menorah was still burning in the temple." And when something is utterly dark, you can't see the hand in front of your face and there's a little light there it just lights up the whole area well hang, hang on think through this a little bit more so the menorah is inside the temple yeah well inside okay. it's not yeah. in the holy of holies but it's just in but the it's holy. in the holy place it's right. in the holy place so it's it's just inside the hallway of the there temple before okay. the veil. So before the veil yes so so think through this with me so the walls 
What yes. are the walls layered with? Is, is gold. Gold. Yeah, gold. So it's golden. Everything in there is layered in gold. So you have a light source in there <laughs> reflecting off this gold, and the doors are open so that you can look into the holy place. You could see the veil through the doorways. So that light is radiating out of the temple back toward Mount Olive. So, yes, anybody who's on Olive in the dark looking back that direction would be able to see it because it is it is a light source. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't it fascinating that the light of the temple was illuminating the death of the light of the world? <laughs> uh, Isn't that awesome. fascinating? That's, that is awesome. This little girl said, that's crazy amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but listen, let me let me back up. I I, I don't want to leave any of the, anybody who listens to this podcast hanging. I want to give them hope. So first of all, like I said earlier, you're going to hear very well educated individuals from time to time tell you the Bible's filled with contradictions, and and I highlight one of the things they're going to tell you about if they get around to it. But but I want you to go back and look at it. So I, I want to you, you got to think through it sometimes a little bit. And here's what's fascinating. <sighs> My favorite teacher on these things is the Holy Spirit himself because I've ran into these types of problems before. And when I pray and ask him about it, he shows me. And it's just fascinating how he does that. And I love that he'll come sit right next to me and say, all right, so we're going to take it real slow so you can get it because I love you, but you're not that smart, Dan. So he will walk you through these things. But here's what's fascinating. So Dad and Josh, will you agree with me that the author – of the book of Luke is a gentleman that we know as Dr. Luke, right? So we knew that he's a doctor. You agree? Yep. Okay. So do we also know that Luke was not a disciple? True. True. So Luke, I want to go a little further and I'm going to prove my ignorance here in a minute. I'm sure. But Luke, as I understand it was a Gentile. I... Is that true? Uh, Josh, I'm jumping there. I'm not, yeah, I don't, I don't. So wait, let me back up a little further. Okay. At the beginning of both the book of Luke and the book of Acts, I love the statement that he gives. He's speaking to someone by the name of Theophilus. I, I love that name because if you break down the Greek on that, Theos is God and uh, uh, Philus or Philo is love. So he's writing to someone who is a lover of God. So I, I love that name. That's good. So, so what is fascinating to me is he tells them, he tells this individual that's his, um, that's his recipient of his gospel and, and his chronicle of Acts that he's writing. So he is chrono, he's chronalizing the story of the early church in the book of Acts. But he's telling this individual, and I, I almost wonder, is it really an individual he's writing to, or is he writing to us who are lovers of God? So I, I've always been fascinated with that. Is Theophilus really a person, or is it just to us? So, But he's telling the recipient, I've done my homework. I've talked to people. I've asked, and I've compiled all these things so you may know what is true. And, and I love that. So, Luke, here's what's fascinating. I don't think we have evidence that Luke was at the foot of the cross. So Luke got his information about the what was said and everything else from those who were there. I don't believe Luke was there. So Luke may have been, but we don't, I, I can't find strong evidence of that. If someone that's listening to us can, please, you know, drop us a message and let me know. Cause I, 
I'm always excited to learn. But what's fascinating is when you compare those elemental facts about Luke, then you look at the author of the other gospel, John. I believe this is John the Beloved. I believe he's the author of this book. Would you gentlemen agree? Yeah. 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 Do you think it was John? Sure. Okay. So now we know John was at the foot of the cross because John was with the Mary of Jesus because Jesus actually spoke to him from the cross, telling John to take care of his mother. So it, uh, so we know John is there. John, I, I have no problem with John and Luke saying Jesus said two different things and then he bowed his head and, and gave up the spirit. It is not impossible. You've got two viewpoints. You've you've got uh, two different individuals writing, and Jesus could have said one thing and then the other, then bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He could have passed away after having said both things, one after the other. Uh, it is finished. Could have happened before his statement. I commit my hands into your. I commit my spirit into your hands. Or he could have said them in the other order, but. I believe these were the last two things that he said. And for me, for me, both could could be the last. And I think both paint a fascinating picture. If he said, and I choose to start with Luke, if he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So I, I like that aspect and what Dad was sharing earlier. It shows absolute control over his life. And he says that and then... Then he breathes his last, bows his head, and gives up the ghost. And then he he has he has left that earthly body. So absolute control because he is God in flesh. But then also John. I think this is my favorite. I, I think I think I prefer this as the last statement between the two. It is finished. <laughs> See what what's fascinating to me about this is dad dad was saying earlier, you know, he doesn't know Greek, doesn't know Hebrew. I, neither do I. I. I know a little bit of each, but uh just what I've picked up, not 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 even enough to read uh in those languages. But what I love about this is in the Greek, this expression it is finished. It's a Greek word and it's very important. The Greek word is tetelestai. So what's fascinating about that, historians have found documents written during the same time period and and using Greek language, when, and the document that's most fascinating where they find this word most often is on a bill of sale. Whenever there was a, a, a financial transaction between two individuals for receiving products or goods or services, and then they documented that, and then the the money has been exchanged for whatever they received. And at the bottom of that note, they would write one word to, to telestai and to telestai translated directly in that relationship to that document means paid in full. I like it. I like it. So, so this expression to telestai, I, I like that as the final thing he said, and, and, and there's debate for which one was actually last, but I believe he said both at the last. But I love that being the last thing because that is, that is at the bottom of the document of his life. It is, it is, Father, I have paid 
all of it. It is done. This moment right here, this spot, this moment in time, it's paid. And then, according to Matthew, after that, after that loud cry, the veil was was torn from top to bottom. I, I think, you know, that you hear people talk about how that God ripped the veil so that there's no longer a separation between God and man. I, I think there's a, a wonderful discussion there. But I, I, I prefer seeing this whole moment. You know, I, I think Jesus, when he's on the cross, he was in absolute utter anguish. And, and as I said last week, the, the anguish that I think he was feeling was more, it, he was in absolute physical pain and the, and the human side was in anguish. But the deeper, the, the theos, the God, the, the God man was in absolute anguish because he separated from his father. He, he said, I and the father are one. Therefore, he's torn away from his identity. He is so ripped far apart from everything he's ever known. This is, this is something totally, you know, he's God, he's omniscient, he knows everything, but now he's living it. Now he's going through this moment, at this moment, and he's feeling the absolute anguish and pain for this. But I think at the same time, the God the Father was in that same amount of anguish. God the Father was just dying while watching his son die. He, he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, but... We'll never comprehend that because mm-hmm. I, I can love someone enough to lay down my life for them, but I can only do it once, and it, it only saves them for that moment. It does not. It does not change eternity for that person. But Christ, you know, God, God is a righteous God. Therefore, He had to sacrifice Himself to pay for our sins because our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. Right. So we could never pay for our sins. Right. So I, I really perceive the renting of the veil, the tearing of the veil as God just ripping that in half in absolute anguish, crying out in just just utter utter grief after watching his son do that, after watching his son lay down his life for us. So both gospels are true. Yes. So don't don't you dare think that they're contradictory. They're not. They, he he says both. I promise you. Yeah. And he, you know, he 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 rejected the sour wine at one point. Then he took it. It's 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 okay to have done both. You know, God's God's not just a God of wrath. He's also a God of love. And you you can't love without hating. You know, God hates sin. The reason he hates sin is because what it does to us. And he he hates sin because he loves us. So this. You know, folks, it's don't let people tell you that God's one way or the other. They they don't know God. To get this, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know God. I don't have God in a box. I can't tell you exactly what God's like. My my God is a great God, but what's wonderful is he's not tame. I I don't have him on a leash. He's he's absolutely God. He's not my genie that I rub a lamp and get whatever I want. He's absolutely God. Amen. Amen. If it makes you feel any better, um, the uh, Britannica agrees with you on it as far as uh, um, Luke possibly being a Gentile. He was uh, not one of the original 12, but may have been one of the 70 
or so appointed by Jesus to be disciples of, of him during his ministry here? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like it, Dan. Thank you. That's a blessing to hear you say those things. I believe uh, listening to you that that was something the Holy Spirit gives you right now so that we can feast off of it as we uh, study and talk about some th- some of these things. Uh, I, I think uh, <clears throat> at the cross, at the cross, other than uh, the ladies who are mentioned there by name and uh, John that you mentioned him, most of the disciples had fled. They, they were they were scared. They were scared to death. They, they th- I think they were thinking that we're going to be next. Uh, that they're going to come and take us away. But the chief, there were some of the chief priests there at the cross. Well, we know we know Jer- uh, Joseph of Arimathea was a uh, member of the Sanhedrin. He was there. Yeah. And so, Josh, the, the tearing of the veil mm-hmm. by God himself, it could be to expose the Ark of the Covenant was not there. I think I think it's just to, to to open up the holy of holies. It's not you know at this point, like like Christ said, it's finished. It's the whole the 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 righteousness is now abundant to those that accept the gift of Christ. And you know it, it, at 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 this time and point, and you know since the shortly after the Exodus, there was there was viewed that only you know those people that that. Um, followed a very strict uh, um, uh, principle code um, could could be um, righteous enough to to be within the same areas to where God was being present at and, and at this point you know it's it's Christ said it's finished is that the completion of the covenant is finished it, it's no longer those only the few people that were deemed as righteous but anybody that believes in his heart, and confesses confesses with his mouth is is now deemed righteous by the blood of Christ, and so it's no longer held to that that same you know it's not held to the same standard that it was, and and it's it's the it's it's held to the same standard, but we now we meet that standard. Question: After the veil was rent the way that it was, did they hire a seamstress to put it back together? I I don't think his crucifixion, him dying on the cross, changed everybody's mind for who he was. Now we got we got a little while before he's resurrected, and uh, there's then some many hundreds, maybe thousands, and there was eventually great multitudes who came to give their life to Christ, uh, even after his ascension. But what what about the temple? It wasn't destroyed till seventy A.D. And, right. And so there's there's still a lot. What happened? So what was it? 35, 37 years, somewhere in through there, something like that. Yeah. So something. so it it stood for thirty some odd years after Christ's death. So yeah, somebody had to somebody had to fix it. That curtain. <laughs> I mean, goodness, you know that that doesn't hold up. That doesn't hold water anymore because we kept the curtain there just so all you people would live. <laughs> you know, so you know. Lord help us if that curtain. I know, I know we're running out of time, but I, I just I, one more question, Josh. We're talking about the graves that were opened, and you said in verse number fifty-two that uh, many bodies of the saints which slept arose, but then he said they came out of their graves after the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after yeah. his resurrection. Yeah, 
And so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm wrapping my mind around that. I've heard, I I was even surprised the first time I ever heard that because I just sped, I'd speed read through all that and didn't notice the punctuation, but it, it just simply says that they, the graves were opened comma and many bodies of the saints, which slept arose comma and came out of the graves after his resurrection. Yeah. Now that's there, can you imagine? We got this popular thing on TV, The Walking Dead. Yeah, that's exactly you, where I was going. Is that where they? Is that where they got there? Oh, you would have to think that you know. I mean, I've I've never heard of any other account of people really rising from the dead. Um, <laughs> you know, at least in that number. I mean, obviously you've yeah, got other biblical accounts, but I, I mean, I, I I had whenever I taught um, the uh, the hand to hand combat course for the military, um, the the owner of the course was doing a uh, a zombie survival uh, training, which was you know just a spoke for for you know uh, for hard times and uh, and what to do during those hard times. But I laughed at it, and he says it's in the Bible. That <laughs> I stopped. I'm like, it is. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's uh, amazing to me uh, just to read and reread and reread again and then just keep on reading and and things just they just become reality to you. And, uh, quickly before we run out of time, the centurion who said truly this was the son of God and and just mentioned because they'd seen all these things. You see, they see these. All right, for many people that I have known during my ministry and lifetime uh, there's been many people come to Christ because they have seen things they have been acquainted with this uh, person who is heavy into alcohol uh, who has abused his family terribly and then that same person hears the gospel receives Christ as their savior and and they are now a different person they've become a new creature in the Lord a new creation that by the receiving Christ as their Savior. And as a result of that, uh, family, neighbors, friends, co-workers, they said, truly, that must be the Son of God. It must be God who's changed that person because they've been to all the programs. It's only God could change them. And uh, for me, uh, God changed me. I, I can say like this little song goes, he's still working on me. I'm, I'm born again. My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going home when Jesus calls me, but uh, He's still working on me, teaching me a lot of things. Never stop learning. I like what the uh, the Chosen says about that. He, uh, the Mary of Magdala, and the Chosen says, uh, "I was one way, and then now I'm another, and the only thing in between was Him." <laughs> That's great. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. As we close out, Papa, um, I'll ask that you remember uh, we've uh, our friend in India, um, a friend of the podcast and evangelist um, pastor, has reached out. Um, I'm not going to give his name, but uh, he he's reached out and asked that we uh, include him in our prayer request. So if you can, absolutely, yeah, and uh, so that you can know, Tracy, we prayed for last week is better. Uh, she is losing her hair because of the chemo treatment, and uh, that's emotional stress for her and so thank you for praying for her and it's the lord brings her to your mind just keep praying for her and andrew 
But yes, by all means, we'll pray for that dear one in uh, India. If you're ready, I'll close this in prayer. Dan? So I, this is horrible time. I know, I know we're doing prayer requests, but Marky Hell just heard it. You've been listening to us, so I just wanted to say hey. Sorry. And we'll pray for you too, Mark. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we've had this time together in your word. There's much of it that we don't understand. I think it was uh, Peter had written some things about the Apostle Paul that he had written down, how hard it was to understand some of those things. Well, we're all in that same family. Lord, thank you, though, for the Holy Spirit. It's been mentioned that he's our teacher. The word of God says so, that he'll shed light and he'll tell us things that we need to know. And I thank you for that. For our dear, precious person, brother in Christ, India, I pray for him. I pray that you'll meet every need that they have. And thank you for those that are listening. Thank you, Father, for those that care about us and pray for us. Thank you for Dan and Josh and their families. I'm praying for wellness in all of our lives. Thank you so much for our companions and each of our children. Thank you again for your love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're enjoying the Thanks to Calvary podcast, make sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thanks to Calvary. If you would like to reach out to us for prayer requests, ideas for future episodes, or just to say hi, message us on Facebook or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash thanks to Calvary slash message or email us at thanks to Calvary podcast at gmail.com.